Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. Today, I am with Katie Welsh. She's the co-founder of Chain of Wealth, and she has a very interesting story uh, about breaking money silence and getting to the place where she is today to talk about the myth that she's provided for our podcast. So let me tell you a little bit about Katie, and then we will get right into the myth that she wants to bust wide open. So Katie originally was an elementary school teacher from Tampa, and she thought she had her financial life together. Like many of us, she had a stable job, she owned a home, and she had an emergency fund. So that makes it sound like Katie was all set. However, she moved to Virginia a while back to live with her boyfriend, Dennis, uh, when he became, uh, he got transferred for work. And so basically one day when they were living together, they're looking through the mail, and Dennis asked Katie about all the bills she's receiving. And so they sat down and did a spreadsheet together, and it was the first time that she realized she was $200,000 in debt at 29 years old with no job. Wow, what a moment that must have been for her. Um, she has since done a great job. If you flash forward a year, she has paid off over $175,000 of debt and is working as a freelance writer to pay off the remaining $25,000. So Katie, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy uh, to hear that you both had a breaking money silence experience that was eye-opening and you're also uh, seemingly uh, pretty much on the other side of it. So tell me a little bit about uh, the myth that you picked today to bust wide open for our listeners. Uh, and uh, what motivated you to pick that myth? Right. So the myth that I picked was basically that you need to make a lot of money in order to have money. And that's not true. And I have always known this. And my mom would tell me while I was growing up, it doesn't matter how much money you make, it's how much money you save. If you are making $500,000 a year, but then you spend everything, in the long run, you ultimately don't have anything. You have just bought a bunch of stuff. Whereas if you have a regular career, like a firefighter or a teacher or something like that, and you try saving as much money as you can, ultimately you'll come out better in the long run. So you don't need to be making a you know, high six-figure six income to actually have any money. So tell me a little bit about that, because it sounds like you grew up with the, a family money message that was pretty healthy uh, about, you know, keeping expenses down and 
uh, saving and that you don't need to make a ton of money in order to live a good financial life. Um, however, based on the little bit of the story I've already shared with our listeners, it sounds like uh, something something went off track for a while for you. So can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I grew up in a single family or a single parent family. Um, it was just me and my mom and my older brother. And my mom worked really hard. And even without having a college education, my mom was really smart and she knew where it was important to put money. She would feed us well and she always invested in our education. And she told me that saving is so important. My mom tried to sock away money wherever she could. And if that meant sometimes having to have like a second job for things or work a little bit extra overtime, she always did it. I think the problem that happened with me was because I was so used to watching my mom work so hard. Um, she didn't always teach it to me in probably the way that I needed it. I kind of struggled in school to begin with. So like learning quickly was not really my strong forte. And when I went to college, I took out student loans and as ridiculous as it sounds, looking back now, I knew I had to pay them back, but like the, the idea didn't really hit me until recently. Um, especially when I started, you know, paying back the loan and then I would talk to the loan provider and they were, they would offer if I wanted to pay a lower rate or defer it for a longer time. And at the time, like, yes, this sounds great. I definitely want to pay it later. Like I'll get to it, you know, later when I can. And thank you so much for letting me defer my loan. And as that happened, you know, life went on. I needed to get a new car. I need, I wanted to buy a house. I didn't want to rent forever. And I didn't want to live with my mom until I was, you know, 35 years old. So slowly but surely, the debt just piled up and it wasn't anything like I wasn't going out and buying like brand new Prada purses or even like, you know, wearing expensive, expensive shoes or anything. It was just like regular run of the mill expenses. So it sounds like part of it, Katie, you were just trying to live your life and you were just trying to do what most people do and you thought you were doing the right thing. Now, was most of the debt student debt and just not really understanding the impact of student debt on your long-term financial health? Or was it ad additional types of debt like credit card uh, or personal loans that were a little bit more risky? Um, a little bit of both. So yes, my student loan was like a big chunk of it. And because I put it off, put off paying it for so long, the interest accrued, which that, you know, added thousands and thousands of extra dollars to my loan. But a lot of the loan, a lot of my debt was my mortgage that I had bought for my house. And then I also had a pretty rugged um, lesson in life where what is negative equity on a car? I co-signed for somebody and I ended up getting pegged with $20,000 worth of negative equity for yeah. a Honda. Um, so those were kind of just like, it was, like you said, it was everyday expenses. And in the back of my mind, I knew I should be saving. And I thought I was, I had an emergency fund, you know, I was able to pay all my bills. I thought I was fine, but for the long 
term. I didn't have any investments. I thought it was the right thing to just have my money sitting in like a savings account in my bank. And I never really knew what to do with my money to help it grow. So part of it is you were financially literate in certain areas and not very well educated. And a lot of people aren't very well educated in student debt. So that is a not a ridiculous or, um, you know, it's a problem I see a lot of young people having. But then there's a piece of it that's like, oh, well, I didn't understand that in addition to savings, I should be making my money work for me. So it's kind of a holistic viewpoint that you didn't have. So you sat down with Dennis. It's a good thing you still like him. And (laughs) (laughs) now, wow, I'm in a lot of debt. So what was his reaction when this happened? And then how did you start to move forward and say, okay, I'm going to pay this down. I'm going to pay this off. Yeah. So I think the, you know, the whole time I wanted to be doing the right thing. Like I thought I was on the right path with at least the little bit of savings that I did. So a little back story from Dennis is he is in like the, he has an accounting degree. He's studying to be a CFA. When it comes to like managing money, he knows exactly what he's doing. And I did not have a clue. So when we were moving in together and all my bills came and he saw what the issue was for me, I think he was, I think he just felt bad for me. And it was a really rough couple of weeks of me trying to, you know, get a grasp on what has happened and what am I going to do? And I didn't know what to do. Like I had this like massive mountain of debt. I had just moved. I, of course, at the time didn't have a job. So I felt even worse. And I just, I felt like I was in this hole that I was never going to get out of. And thankfully he like jumped into problem solving mode. And he said, look, if you want to get out of all this debt, I will help you. I will help you create a plan. And this is what you do. And he like laid everything out for me. And Basically, like I want to take the credit and say, you know, I've gotten out of all this debt all by myself and I didn't need anybody. But ultimately, I've just done exactly what he told me. And I was nervous at first because, you know, I didn't want to be taking, you know, financial advice that will impact the rest of my life from a boyfriend that I was living with. But at the same time, I kind of also looked at it, well, as he managed to not get in the same amount of trouble that I was in. So he must have something going on and I'm whatever I'm doing clearly is not right. So I had some, I needed to try something new. So he told me, um, he advised that I sell my house first because that was taking up like a big chunk of my, my savings every month. Um, and then once the house sold, it was like everything else just started snowballing and, being able to pay off things and get rid of things and sell things that I didn't need. And it was just like a snowball. And he has been kind enough. I don't really pay for any rent or groceries or anything. He told me that while I'm paying off my student loan, that all the money that I make from freelancing and side jobs needs to be funneled either into investments or student loan. So, you know, I hear a couple of things in what you're saying. One is that um, it's okay to reach out for support. Like we often, when we hit a financial roadblock or we, we have a situation like this that we don't feel comfortable with because, you know, 
you were very well educated in terms of savings, and this still happened, um, that it's important to reach out to somebody and to let somebody help you. And it sounds like you did that. And I see that actually as a strength. And then the other thing, because of his training or his desire to kind of problem solve, which is both a, definitely an accounting CFA kind of thing to do, but also um, really helpful in this situation is, you know, to have a plan, to think through what's the best way to attack this debt? Because 200000 seems overwhelming, but it sounds like once you decided to sell the home, that there was a way in which you move forward in a big way. And, and my guess is, and you can tell me that that might have felt... Um, you know, freeing, like, oh, wow, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, as opposed to I'm just, you know, it's just getting worse every month. Right. No, definitely. And, you know, when I sold the house and then the car went shortly thereafter, it was like a boulder was off of my chest. Like, I didn't have to worry about this anymore. And, you know, the negative equity and bad decisions that I had made a few years ago with the car loan, was finally gone. I, I didn't have to constantly live in reminder every month when I made like a $700 car payment. So if somebody's listening in today and they're saying, oh, wow, I'm in a similar situation or I'm afraid to get in a situation like that, what are some of the recommendations or tips you would give them? Well, definitely make a plan first. That was half of my problem. I didn't know where to start. I was kind of just like going through life like a hurricane and just hoping for the best. So sit down and if you need help with it, you know, hire somebody or go to somebody who is in a better financial situation than you are and ask for help and make a plan. And then another thing that has just been life changing for me is to track my spending. And I have talked to people and they we're saying all the time, track your spending and know where your money is going and budget. And honestly, it was intimidating for me. Like, I don't know where all my money is going. And I didn't really want to know because I didn't want to see how we, I didn't want to admit, you know, what kind of a situation I was in. And now that I have started tracking my spending and seeing where things are going, it has made it so much easier to make the big payments to get rid of the extra debt that I have. Now, a lot of people are afraid to track their spending. I certainly, there's been times in my life where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to be that aware of where all my money's going. Yeah. <laughs> like it's been helpful. Now in seeing kind of the trends of your spending, did you make any lifestyle changes or was it just having this awareness of where your money was going? Like, like what was that experience, I guess, actually like? Um, yeah. So like I said, like I've never been like a big shopper. I didn't have to cut back, you know, like, oh, I go to the mall like three times a month and I'm dropping hundreds of dollars on new clothes. It was never anything like that for me. Um, it's a little bit embarrassing, but like the place where we would spend the most of our money is like eating. Like everything we did apparently is food related and it was either going out to eat or going to the to the grocery store. And it has just kind of made me feel like I have been really wasteful. And I try to stretch my grocery trips a little longer and eat up a little bit more of like the random things that I bought before that are in the pantry that I probably otherwise would never eat. But, you know, spending $900 a month for two people at the grocery store is like over the top. And that's something that really was glaringly, like we could not not see it. 
And what's interesting to me, though, it, and it fits with the myth that you're busting open of you, you know, the myth is you have to earn a ton of money to pay off debt. And what your life and what your experience is telling us is you don't necessarily have to earn more. You just have to be more mindful as to what's going on and, and have a plan. And when you say you're embarrassed about um, eating out a lot or having a high food bill, um, one of the things that they show, and I, I think this is a trend in the millennial generation, although I, I want to say that I think it can happen to anybody, is there's a big trend to go out to eat a lot or to buy, um, you know, pre-processed foods or pre-packaged foods or, you know, dinners that are complete. And while all of that is great, and I, you know, I certainly enjoy that as well, not being a very good cook, there's a way in which that can really eat up your money pretty quick. Definitely. And I like to cook and I would, you know, find a recipe on Pinterest and I would make it and I, well, I would go out and I would buy everything for it. And then I would make it one time and then all of my ingredients would go bad. And I was just really wasteful and I wouldn't, you know, I would make dinner and then, you know, I would kind of think like, oh, that wasn't very good or I didn't like it. I'm not going to make it again. Or I would kind of just like push the leftovers to the back of the refrigerator for a couple of days. And then I would bring it out. And when I'd look at it, I'd be like, I don't think it's safe to eat. I should probably throw it away. I don't want to get sick. And that's how a lot of our money was wasted. Hmm. Now, do you think debt is a bad thing? I mean, having been through this experience, is it something that you're shying away from? As in trying to not be as wasteful? No, not the wasteful part. I think in general. So one of the things is, you know, you learned how to save growing up. You, you know, are recommending that you have a financial plan, that you track your spending, you kind of look for where you're wasteful. And that just brings me to kind of the thought of, okay, um, you had a lot of debt, you're, you're actively paying down that debt. I, I just wonder, are you now skittish and think all debt is bad? Or, or you know, would you use get a loan and, and use debt in the future? Or are you just saying, no, I, you know, I've interviewed people on this podcast that are, you know, cash and cash only. So just kind of curious what your stand is, Katie. Yeah, uh, that's actually a really good question. Um, no, for some things, I definitely think that there are reasons for debt. You know, we definitely, we live in Northern Virginia, and if we decide to buy a home here, we're definitely not going to be able to buy a house in cash up here, um, or really anywhere for that matter. Um, so definitely like a home loan, you know, I still expect I'll have home loans when I, get another car. I will probably have another car loan. I will just be a little bit more thoughtful and I'll plan better for it. I'll, you know, do my research and look for lower interest rates and I'll put as, I'll put more money down up front. Whereas when I bought my house before, you know, I put down like the bare minimum. I didn't want to put down, you know, 20% just because like I wanted the, to have the cash in my emergency fund in my bank account. So I would definitely still get a loan. I would just be more thoughtful with it. Yeah, it sounds like it would have to fit in with that overall plan. And also, it, it you know, a lot of times when people say, oh, I got a mortgage or I, I bought a car and I didn't put anything down, you know, initially you feel like, ooh, look, I, you know, made a good deal. Um, yeah, a background in banking and finance um, before I was doing the financial psychology. And anytime my friend would say that, I think, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing. But I think a lot of people like you aren't necessarily educated. And it's, you know, what's great about this particular myth that you're busting open is you're educating people. So, yeah, and time goes so fast on this program. <laughs> I, I, we are going to have to wind down. But I, I two questions for you. One, 
is if you had to, so, you know, there's a myth, you have to earn a ton of money to pay off debt. What's the reality? Like in a sentence, what would you say the reality is? That you're going to have to take it one step at a time. If you are in debt, you know, you're going to need to pay off your debt first. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen over a couple of months. Sometimes you're going to have to take it one step at a time. And, you know, on your plan, make, you know, little goals for yourself. Because if you just have this one massive goal of I'm going to be debt free, then it gets really hard to, to follow through. So for my goals, you know, every $5,000 that I pay off, like I get really excited and I tell a lot of people about it because that's a, like a mini milestone for me. And, you know, it just urges me to continue paying off my debt and keep working towards my plan. I love that. The idea of celebrating with other people when you've made a milestone is a really, you know, cool, cool concept, I think, in terms of behavioral change. Now, I know you're up to some good stuff with uh, Chain of Wealth, and um, you have a special offer for the people who are listening in today. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So when I first moved to Virginia and I found out, well, I was kind of brought to the realization that I had all this debt with no job, I panicked. And the only way that I could really quickly make a, a lot of money, especially because when I moved up, it was in the summer and all of my expertise was in the classroom. And in the, you don't teachers don't typically work during the summer, especially for a new job. I started Airbnb a room in our apartment and made a killing at it. Like it was, Good for you. It was literally the best thing I have ever done. I made thousands and thousands of dollars at at doing it. And it was so simple. It was, you know, you turn over the sheets and you welcome them in and, you know, they were nice people. I never had a problem. And I've always been a little bit of a side hustler. I've usually always had, you know, two jobs going on, but usually my second job is as like a server or, you know, something that just drains all of your energy out of you. And when I started airbnb it was like, a newfound freedom that I could do something and make good money and not be exhausted all the time. Um, but because we were making so much money, our friends and family, you know, started kind of asking questions about it. Like, Oh, how do you do this? And how are you always booked up? I couldn't even have family come and visit us anymore because the room was booked. And uh, so we got the idea of creating a course um, for short rentals. I don't want to specifically say Airbnb, but um, that's the platform I use. But it was a course on short-term rentals and being able to generate some extra profit in, you know, an empty bedroom in your house. Or if you have a rental property that, you know, you don't have any tenants in right now. Um, and it's called Hosting Your Pad. And for your listeners, I have a special coupon code. If you type in Chain of Wealth, they will be able to get a $99 uh, coupon. Awesome. So I'm soon to be a recovered Airbnb host. We're selling our property. Um, so I know it takes a lot. And I know you can be creative and do a really good job. And I do... Um, look at, you know, not just that platform, but other platforms when I'm going on vacation. 
So um, I think that's a really great offering. We'll put up that information under special announcements because we want to help you to continue to pay off your debt. And we also want to give people an opportunity uh, to work at earning money in fun and creative ways. Um, so it's been so great to have you on the podcast today and to bust this myth open that somehow you have to be really wealthy to pay off debt. And instead, what I've learned is you have to have a plan. You have to take it one step at a time. And you have to be creative and determined like you are, Katie. So you've been great to have on the program. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at breakingmoneysilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.